Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. And in today's episode, we are talking all about the treatment of chronic dizziness, something I don't think I've spoken about too often on the podcast before. So I'm really, really happy to be talking about it now. And my guest is Dr. Madison Oak. She is a physical therapist who specializes in treatment of vestibular migraine, persistent postural perceptual dizziness, and other vestibular disorders. Madison is the founder of Vestibular Group Fit at the Vertigo Doctor and Oak Physical Therapy and Wellness PC. She strives to provide excellent educational vestibular resources that are thorough, helpful, and actually make sense to people who have vestibular disorders. Migraine headaches, dizziness, and more affect so many people in the United States and the world. When she isn't talking about the vestibular system, you can find Madison out skiing in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, baking chocolate chip banana bread, and hanging out with her dog, dog Hugo. So in this episode, we do discuss vestibular rehabilitation therapy, or VRT, a form of rehabilitation designed to help people with vestibular disorders regain their balance and alleviate and alleviate dizziness. We touch upon a whole host of um, topics under vestibular rehab. So if you are dizzy, you know someone who's dizzy, or you are a healthcare professional interested in getting into this area of healthcare and treating these people, this is a must-listen episode. So big thank you to Dr. Madison, and everyone enjoy today's episode. Hey, Madison, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you on to talk about among other things, vestibular migraines, which is very close to me. Uh, One of my best friends suffered from vestibular migraines for many years. So this is uh, something that I am really interested in and that I don't think I've ever had on the podcast before. So welcome. Well, I'm so happy to be your first. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I could really talk all day about it. So (laughs) Perfect. I can't believe I haven't had this topic. Anyway, let's, I know, right? So let's talk about vestibular rehabilitation. So could you let the listeners know what that is and what it entails? Absolutely. So vestibular rehab, vestibular rehab therapy, VRT, however you want to abbreviate shorten vestibular rehabilitation therapy, because that's way too many letters. Um, it all basically boils down to rehabilitation of this teeny tiny system inside your inner ear. If, if you're not familiar with it, imagine high school biology class, and we're going to throw it back a little bit and imagine like a little snail. That's your cochlea, the hearing organ in your ear. Now it's like sister attached to it. They're like conjoined. They're three little circular looking canals, that part of your ear on each side, deep in your skull, that is your vestibular system. And your vestibular system basically fires all the time, 24 seven. It keeps you upright. It tracks if you're accelerating or not. It does so many things from spatial awareness to acceleration. Like you basically can't live without it. And you don't know that it exists or it's doing anything until it stops working. Now, just like any other part of your body, something, of course, can go wrong. And so vestibular rehab therapy, VRT, basically it aims to 
rehabilitate that system so that you can balance better, walk in a straight line, walk with your head turned to one side, um, not feel dizzy in the grocery store or uh, at Target or anything like that. Because all of these systems work together with your vestibular system, like your visual system, your proprioceptive system, or the way you feel the floor, all these things work together. And when one system goes offline, you have to think about how to make the rest of those systems come back online. So VRT does just that. Um, it works for lots and lots of different vestibular diagnoses. Um, and so we kind of have to boil down what's going on, what the exact issue within that is, and then we kind of go from there. It's a lot of head movements and things like that. And what are the most common diagnoses that you see, or that maybe even, let's say, a therapist who isn't specifically a mm -hmm. vestibular rehabilitation therapist might see in their clinic? Absolutely. So people who have vestibular disorders tend to Google, like, why am I dizzy, right? And the most common cause of dizziness and vertigo, which if we want to break down vertigo, they're really important actually to know that vertigo is the incorrect perception that you or the room around you is moving, sliding, or spinning. And dizziness is everything else. Dizziness encapsulates vertigo, but not all dizziness is vertigo. That makes sense. Okay. So, um, so now, is it safe to mm -hmm. say all vertigo is dizziness, but not all dizziness is vertigo? Yes, definitely. Okay. Dizziness can look like, I feel like I'm walking on a trampoline. I feel like I have jello in my head. I have mud sloshing around. I feel imbalanced. Those are all like umbrella of dizziness. And then vertigo has a very specific definition. That's really important actually. And whether or not the room is spinning and whether or not you feel like you're spinning is something that people with vestibular disorders get asked a lot. They're like, please stop asking me that question. But it's a really important thing for your providers to understand. Now, the most common cause of dizziness, which is a vertiginous cause, is BPPV, which is benign proximal positional vertigo. And that's when these tiny little crystals in your inner ear slide into those canals that I mentioned a second ago. And basically it's a mechanical issue. You do the thing called the Epley maneuver or the barbecue roll. They all have these funny names. And because it's a mechanical issue, you basically roll these little crystals back into the spot where they live and then you're good to go. It should be just fine. The most common cause of peripheral vertigo that is not BPPV is vestibular neuritis. Vestibular neuritis is an issue with the vestibular system caused peripherally, meaning in the vestibular system itself, not in a different part of your body. And all that means is that there's an infection in your inner ear slash that like nerve at the edge. And that infection makes one side not work as well as the other side. And then you need rehab for that. It should go away in like three to six weeks. And so, how, oh, sorry, go it, ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go right ahead. I was going to mm -hmm. say, how can a therapist or, you know, even patients these days, how, how can we differentiate between the two? Absolutely. I will definitely get to that. I want to mention a third diagnosis Perfect. first though, which is vestibular migraine, which is one you mentioned. That is the most common neurological form of dizziness and vertigo. So if we're going to just talk about these really, really common kind of like big ideas of dizziness, we go mechanical, peripheral, which those are both technically peripheral, and then this central disorder. Now, all of these can cause exactly the same symptoms, like literally to a T. And so the job of a neurootologist, which is a doctor who is a, a medical doctor, who's a neurologist who specializes in the inner ear, it's like a neuro ENT and a vestibular therapist and sometimes a headache specialist. All three of those people should be able to come together and kind of determine which one of these you have. If you lie down in bed at night, 
and the room spins for like 15 to 60 seconds and then it stops and doesn't happen again until you change position, typically we could pretty safely say that's probably BPPV. And because it's such a mechanical issue and it's not a neurological issue for the most part, and we can kind of get into things that cause it that aren't neurological, but because it is mechanical, we can say, you know what? send you to a physical therapist. Most PTs know how to do the Epley maneuver. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but most of them, most of us can kind of test and treat um, BPPV. Now, whether they only know the Epley maneuver and cross your fingers, it's in that canal, or they can also do these other maneuvers. That's always kind of up in the air, but you can safely say, I'm going to go to the PT, see if they can treat my BPPV. So again, if you lie down in bed, you get the room spinning vertigo, not just dizziness, the room is spinning around for 15 to 60 seconds. And then it stops and doesn't happen again until you change position or sit up. Because again, in that definition, it is positional. Um, Then it's BPPV, probably. Vestibular neuritis is that second cause. And people who have any version of the herpes virus, which we know is not just like what you think of as herpes, right? We know it causes lots of different viruses in our body. Anyone who has that or has contracted that for any reason, it's sitting dormant in your body. It can then infect um, your vestibular nerve in the vestibular system. And we can say, okay, that's vestibular neuritis because you are spinning usually from somewhere between 24 to 72 ish hours with reason. Sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) Oh my God. It is definitely a nightmare. The good thing about vestibular neuritis is for the most part, about 95% of the time, it'll only happen once. It's a singular attack because again, it's viral, meaning you shouldn't be able to get it again, which I know everyone's like, well, we have a virus right now. You can get more than once. And that's sort of a different story, but typically neuritis, you should be able to get only once. I've met one person in my life who's gotten it twice, which means you're probably safe if you're listening to this from getting it twice. It's super, super common. One side of your vestibular system just kind of like shuts down a little bit or a lot, depending on the amount of infection, but slowly through neuroplasticity, your brain is going to learn, oh, this is my new normal. Everything's fine. You might have a little bit of involuntary eye movement or nystagmus um, long-term without room light, meaning like if you're in the dark or your eyes are closed, you might like see a little light on your computer or the TV, like move a little bit. That's pretty standard, but all things considered, you should be totally normal, functional. Everything should be kind of fine. The last thing we want to talk about is vestibular migraine, which again is the most common neurological form of uh, of dizziness and vertigo. And migraine in general is so, so common. And migraine is the disease that causes migraine attacks. And something that I want to say about this first is that there's a really common misconception that we say, I have migraines with an S on the end. Mm-hmm. And right now we're actually trying to take that back just so kind of everyone is on the same page, right? Of saying a person with epilepsy has seizures, right? They don't have epilepsies. A person with migraine has migraine attacks. They don't have migraines. I have migraine. It is a neurological disease. It causes me to have migraine attacks. The root cause of my migraine is I have a neurological disorder or neurological disease that causes migraine. Vestibular migraine is a form of migraine. And it's an important thing to recognize that migraine comes in all shapes and sizes. And I think that a lot of us were raised of our mom, our friend's mom, maybe a parent, a sibling, someone. I have a really awful migraine today. I'm going to go lay in a dark room Mm because my head is pounding and the light is really too bright. And that's kind of like, okay, that's a migraine. 
she has migraines, right? Like that's kind of how we thought about it as kids. And it wasn't until recently that all of this is sort of like a, so much more advocacy recently and things for migraine. But we know about migraine is that it comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. So it can look like you get almost like a hemiplegic um, kind of symptoms where it looks like you're having a stroke for some people. For some people, they get just the light sensitivity or their vision goes black for an hour. It looks really different for a lot of people, but for people with vestibular migraine, the diagnostic criteria, basically, just like there is for everything in the world these days, is that you have five minutes to 72 hours of vestibular symptoms with some migraine symptoms as well. So those could be head pain, aura, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, um, and then it's not accounted for by another diagnosis. <clears throat> so if you have all of these and you're kind of getting them in these fluctuating attacks and it's really long-term and all of your testing is negative and you have like brain zaps and you have a history of motion sensitivity, that is typically kind of the people we put in that vestibular migraine category. And obviously this is not medical advice and you shouldn't like, I have a VM because of I have this podcast, but um, that is a very, very common diagnosis. And they say about half of the people with it are probably undiagnosed. So if that mm. does sound like you, it's a good time to get an opinion from a headache specialist. Um, that's kind of where that third doctor we, uh, we're talking about came in. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to say about when we first were talking about BPPV is that if you have vestibular migraine and you lay down and the room starts spinning immediately and it kind of lasts for a while and you're like, this is BPPV, but I've done the Epley maneuver a hundred times and it doesn't work. It's because VM also causes positional vertigo for a lot of people that acts identically to BPPV. Mm. And so if the Epley maneuver and the barbecue roll and all these things aren't working, that's when we're just like, you know what, maybe it's something else. We should look into something else because VM can both cause BPPV to be more prominent. And so can vestibular neuritis kind of having any vestibular disorder can make BPPV more prominent, but especially VM because they also present the exact same way. Got it. And out of out of these disorders, and I know there's more, there are more vestibular disorders out there, but that's a course, right? You could go take a course on that. This is, we're talking about a lot of the common things, but what are red flags when you are, uh, you have this patient in front of you, they're, they're, you're evaluating, what are you looking for red flag wise that would be, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to automatically send you to perhaps it is the neuro ENT or the headache doctor. Yeah. If Because a lot of times people will come to us via direct access, come to physical yes, therapists 100%. via direct access. So what are the mm-hmm. red flags? Yeah, I think you should look for your typical red flags, right? Like they have changes in numbness and tingling in their face and they have dysarthria and dysphagia and all those like big red flags that you learn about in school. It's like, that's probably not good. They should probably go get imaging. The things, the thing with vestibular disorders is a lot of them, especially vestibular migraine, don't show up on a lot of testing. So most people will actually end up in rehab Maybe they've tried it once before they got referred because maybe they do have some dysphagia. Maybe they do have some dysarthria and they're like, 
oh, like this is weird. And they got sent and all our testing came back negative. And maybe you're the next PT they're seeing or something like that. And like, all my testing is negative, but I have all these weird symptoms. It's usually VM for the kind of the reasons I said before, where it can present like a stroke. It can present like a brain tumor, but it's not like you can even have like upbeating or downbeating nystagmus mm-hmm. with it. You can have some direction changing nystagmus sometimes. So it's like things like that are so bizarre where it's like, yes, that's a red flag. they need to get imaging. They should have a neuro ENT on board. They should have a headache specialist on board for sure. Um, Kind of no matter what. And the people who do come to me direct access, um, I'm like, do you have a headache specialist? Because this is not a disorder. Well, vestibular migraine is not a disorder that a PT should be handling alone. This is a disorder that you need to kind of have a whole comprehensive outlook on exactly how we treat vestibular migraine. If it's vestibular neuritis and this person comes to you and they're like, the room's been spinning for 24 hours. I finally made it to the clinic, right? They're probably not going to come to you when they're still spinning. Right. But uh, I made it to the clinic and the room was spinning for 24 hours and I felt terrible. It was horrible. Yada, yada, yada. Then I couldn't get up to go to the bathroom. I'm kind of feeling a little bit better now. I barely made it here today. This is the exact narrative they will tell you. Usually I had someone once come with, she took her uh, shower curtain down and she used the pole as a cane because she's like, I didn't have anything else in my house to get here. She's like walked down the street when I used to work in New York. And she was like, but this is the only thing holding me up right now. And then I was like, okay, you're going to do this. These two exercises. We did a couple tests. You're going to do these two things. She comes back a week later. She's fine. She's like, I'm totally functional again. That's like very textbook. Maybe she had a little bit quicker healing than typical, but very textbook vestibular neuritis. Mm-hmm. Now you can do something called the HINTS exam, H-I-N-T-S. Um, and that's a head thrust test. An impulse, it has an exact thing, which I will find for you. Um, but it's basically a bunch of different tests that actually they're supposed to do in the ER and can prevent you from going to a CT MRI Um, if they do this accurately in the ER. Mm -hmm. So this test is really, really helpful. And basically they shake your head around in different directions. And for most people with vestibular neuritis, if the loss in one ear is greater than 40%, then they were going to see your head impulse test be positive. Uh, The test of skew could be positive, all of these different things. And it can kind of tell the difference because you're going to have that nystagmus. You're going to have it with room light and without room light at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of looking at those different things are going to be really important in telling the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And hence, so head impulse, nystagmus, so head impulse, HI, and nystagmus, TS, test of skew. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you can, you can Google that. You can look it up. We're not going to tell yeah. you, we're not going to go into the details of ex- yeah. all of that. Right. But, um, it is definitely, uh, doing the head impulse tests and the shaking and stuff. Um, yeah. I, so here's a question for you. Let's say you have someone who's like, I don't touch my head. Then I won't touch their head. Right. So then, Um, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to force anyone to do anything. Absolutely not. (laughs) Right. Right. If you have someone like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Like, there's no way I can do this right now. Uh You know, so the the question is like, yes, of course, we're not going to force anyone to do anything. But would we be missing valuable information from not doing? 
sometimes yes, sometimes no. Right. Typically, if you have a pretty good understanding of vestibular disorders, like all I do all day, every day is think about the vestibular system. Like I'm sort mm-hmm. of an addict when it comes mm-hmm. to the vestibular world. A vestibular holic, I think uh, Danielle and Abby of Balancing Act Rehab coined it a couple of years ago. And so, yes, you might miss, do they have a positive head impulse test? But I can probably get from their subjective of them saying, well, the the, the whole world bounces when I walk, that you're going to have a positive uh, DVA, you're going to have a positive uh, hints test, you're going to have positive, like all of the things. Mm-hmm. And so if someone is like, I'm so uncomfortable, absolutely not. Like, I'm going to explain to them, of course, why we're doing the test, why it matters, what we're going to look for, all these different things. And I've had people deny it still. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, tell me, is does the room move when you walk? Can you run? Can you go on a treadmill? Like, are all these things, like, if you focus on one thing, is it hard? If you were to move your head around, right. what would it feel like? And people are like, dizzy. I'm like, okay, that's not helpful. Let's break down what dizzy means for you. Right. But so yes, you're going to miss like, is it positive or negative today versus next week? Mm-hmm. But if someone is more functional and it's like, do I really care? Right. Probably not. Right. Kind of have to sort of weigh the good and the bad mm-hmm. there. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and I think it's something you, you sort of went past something that I want to go back to. Mm-hmm. And that is definitions. So mm-hmm. when the person said, oh, I just feel dizzy. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to need more. Right. So yeah. what, when someone says, oh, I feel dizzy, what questions do you then ask to bring out more from them? Because definitions of things really matter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's just like, everyone learns like how to dissect pain in school, right? It's like, is it sharp and shooting? Is it hot? Is it dull? Like, what does it feel like mm-hmm. for dizziness? You're looking for, first of all, do they have vertigo? And everyone hates this question. And they're like, just like I said before, if someone asks me this one more time, I'm going to flip. But explain to them that it's important if you know if the room is spinning, because if the room is spinning at any time, they have nystagmus. And that can mean a lot of different things. And you can look into like what Alexander's law is and if it's positional and like all these different things. So are you spinning? And if they say I'm spinning, is the room around you spinning or are you spinning inside? Because the difference between internal and external vertigo is also big. And then from there, my question typically after we determine whether or not someone is moving, sliding or spinning is what does that feel like? And every single time I get the exact same answer and they say it is impossible for me to explain this. And so I ask them to please use the most insane words they can think of to please explain what they feel like. And I get a lot of really fun answers from that question. Typically it's like mud is in my head. I have a cotton candy head. I have Mm. a hot air balloon head. I have my, my little pony is running around up there. There's a gumball machine in there. Like they had really fun answers, but that compared to the other fun answers of I'm walking on a trampoline or I feel like I'm in one of those gymnastic squishy pits or mm. like those two things are very different. Or I feel like I'm walking on a boat, very different things. Right. And then you can determine, are you lightheaded because you actually have pots and you have a cardiovascular thing going on? Or are you lightheaded because of insert other reason here? Is it because you have neck pain and you actually have cervicogenic dizziness? Like what does it feel like to move your head around versus mm-hmm. can you move like a robot are you moving like a robot and kind of those questions that they do have to be a little bit leading 
and also not be yes or no, right? But you have to sort of lead these people with dizziness into these answers a little bit because they don't know how to explain it. And the other issue is most providers just kind of blow them off. Like I went to the, I have chronic tinnitus, tinnitus, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it. So I went to the ENT to get it checked out. Pretty run in the mill appointment. I told him I have it. He told me I'm fine. I said, great. He goes, what do you do for work? So I'm a vestibular therapist. I love to treat dizziness. He goes, oh, I hate treating dizziness. I'm like, you're the only ENT around. Right. There's nothing you can do about that. I just send everyone home. And I'm like, okay, you're categorically false. But so everyone from like, they go to the ENT, the person who's supposed to specialize in ears to their neurologist who pulls up their MRI and says, everything's fine. You have nothing wrong with you. And they're like, but I'm dizzy. And no one thinks to ask, what does that feel like besides do you have BPPV? Mm -hmm. So then they get like, I have had patients who've gone to over 85 different doctors to try and get different opinions. And everyone's like, you're fine. It's just anxiety. Here's Xanax. And they're like, this is, I'm not anxious. I'm just dizzy, like send help. And the dizzy, anxious, dizzy cycle is a very, very real one because Mm -hmm. dizziness and anxiety are processed in the same part of your brain and they make you anxious. They make you dizzy. And that whole thing is a whole other topic, but it's really important to understand that taking a history for your whole entire hour or even two full appointments might actually make a difference between like, is this person going to get better or not? And like building that trust with your patient, just like anything in PT. But I think especially with dizziness is so important because there is so much fear and anxiety and like feeling like they are the problem when it's like, Mm -hmm. you're not the problem. It is in your head, but only like anatomy wise, you're not making it up. Right. It's like physically there. Um, So kind of no matter what it is, there are always treatment options. And it's another thing they get. Uh, which is why they don't know how to describe their symptoms. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what you're feeling anything anyway. There's nothing we can do about it. You're out of options. And that's just also never true. Right. So all of these things are problematic and it it is getting a little bit better. There is more information about all these things, but it's definitely yeah. something that's frustrating for all yeah. of them. And you had mentioned internal versus external spinning. So mm-hmm. can you elaborate on that a little bit more of what what does that, what that means? Yeah. So vertigo, remember we said it's the incorrect perception that you or the room around you is moving, sliding, or spinning. If it's external vertigo, meaning the room around you is moving, sliding, or spinning, that means someone's probably experiencing nystagmus. So that involuntary movement of the eyes, Mm -hmm. it can come from tons of different places, but it is interesting to note, is it spinning? Is it sliding? Is the wall around you like going up and down? It's people like, I have no idea. I'm just, it's moving. And that's fine too. But you can sometimes tell which direction their nystagmus is in Mm. from a history. Is like it goes clockwise, it goes counterclockwise. And Mm -hmm. you can kind of try and like pinpoint that to, okay, if I lay my head back in this position, would the room move clockwise or counterclockwise if I'm in a dependent dexalpic position? Mm Um, And the same goes for like a horizontal canal would be sliding, right? Right. If it's internal, some people say like, I am on a boat 24 seven, and that would be internal vertigo. So it's still vertigo, but it's not room spinning vertigo. Like uh, as people, I'll tell them to match their movement and people like, I feel like this Mm. back and forth, back and forth or in a circle or whatever direction it is for them. 
And that is different, again, obviously, than the room is spinning around me. So internal versus external vertigo. I feel like I'm moving versus I feel like the room around me is moving. And is it possible for people to have both? Definitely. Mm. Definitely. I'd say especially that vestibular migraine population. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there is a diagnosis, which we can get into this one a little bit, which is persistent postural perceptual dizziness, 3PD, which is like Mm -hmm. chronic subjective dizziness. And that is all about, I feel like I'm rocking and swaying all the time. Mm -hmm. It is debilitating to me functionally. It's been going on more than three months and it's because of an underlying issue. It's not a primary condition. It happens secondarily to VM neuritis, BPPV, or an anxiety disorder, or Mm -hmm. like people have had it where like a parent dies unexpectedly and they get 3PD. So like something will happen and then you feel that like internal like this all the time. It's also treatable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know that these are treatable conditions and that you Mm -hmm. are not resigned to this for the rest of your life. Definitely not. Definitely not. Now, and, and that takes me to the next question is, should, is everyone a candidate for vestibular therapy? And when aren't they? (laughs) Great question. So no, not everyone is a good candidate for VRT. And I know one of my good friends who has VM, she's like, VRT was the worst thing of all time for me. And it's like, okay, let's talk about why that could be. Typically it's because, and I'd say, well, first, I'd say that your BPPV vestibular neuritis people, those people are going to thrive in VRT almost every single time. If they develop triple PD or three PD on top of that, that's sort of a different story, but you're like typical run of the mill. You're going to get better from VOR times one, staring at something, shaking Mm -hmm. your head. Mm -hmm. Awesome. If we're going to talk about the chronic dizziness people, the people with central disorders with like prolonged concussion syndrome with who are dizzy, vestibular migraine, who are dizzy, the people who are having either an acute or chronic attacks. And these symptoms are very prolonged and it drives a lot of anxiety and it drives a lot of hypervigilance and it drives a lot of these really like fight or flight type symptoms. And they can barely move their head without like a whole attack going off. Mm -hmm. Those people, they're like, I failed vestibular rehab. And it's like, no, you didn't. Vestibular rehab shouldn't have been prescribed to you, right? Like that wasn't a good idea in the first place, Mm -hmm. but that's because people who have vestibular migraine, which again is my favorite thing to talk about. So we're going to go with that example. Yes, let's do it. Who who have this issue where they're getting an attack once a week, once a month, once a day even, or they're Mm -hmm. in status micronosis, which is a whole other scenario. Those people who they can barely move their head right and left. They have so much pain in their neck, maybe tons of pain in their head. They're super like they say like hot brain, right. Is like, you're going to have an attack when you have a hot brain, Mm -hmm. sensitive brain, basically. Those people are not going to do well with VRT. And those people get referred to me all the time. And I evaluate them. We never do anything. We just sit and talk for an hour. We do their whole subjective. And then we talk about lifestyle management because treating migraine is not about, can I shake my head around? Treating migraine is about thinking about someone's entire lifestyle, what things fit in that lifestyle, what things maybe they can do better within their lifestyle in order to support their brain, right? Because migraine works on a threshold theory, meaning that there are controllable triggers and uncontrollable triggers. Uncontrollable is the weather, controllable, did I drink enough water today, Mm -hmm. right? Drinking water is not going to cure your migraine. 
by any means, but drinking more water can help with all of these things, right? Eating the right foods, adding tons of fruits and vegetables to your diet, sleeping eight hours a night, finding a consistent sleep schedule, exercising every day. All of those things are going to drive positivity towards migraine treatment, but it's, it's more about, can I control the migraine and physical therapists are the people who are able to spend time with their patients in order to tell them these things that they've never heard of before. Cause they just get drugs thrown at them, which SSRIs, SNRIs, TCAs, CGRPs, G pants, all of those things treat migraine pretty well for a lot of people, but almost never has it been that they just get an SSRI and they never have to go back to the doctor. Mm-hmm. That's, I've never heard of that happening. Maybe it's happened for someone listening to this and that's fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing, but almost never works. So talking about those other lifestyle factors is usually kind of where I start with VM until it's kind of more under control and they can get that diagnosis. Cause even mm-hmm. as a PT, you know, even if I know you have VM, I can see it. I can hear you talk about it. You have it. Unless you have that diagnosis, we can't like talk about that as technically I can say you have signs and symptoms consistent with it, but I can't tell you you have VM, right? Mm-hmm. So sending them back to the doctor with that information, whether it's their PCP or a neurologist who is in their maybe smaller town who treats stroke and not migraine. And then they can be armed with that information. It's like, oh, I think I have this VM thing. Here's some research. Here's what my PT says might help me. Uh, You can call them or email them if you want. And like, Mm -hmm. let's tackle this thing together. That's going to be the best way to go about VRT for a person with chronic dizziness from like, I'm having attacks all the time kind of person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and I love the fact that you sort of talked about this lifestyle medicine, which is something that I was just on a podcast that came out uh, a few weeks ago. And we talked about um, lifestyle medicine and how physical therapists are really positioned well in this space. And like you said, it's asking questions about sleep, about nutrition, about exercise, smoking cessation, Mm -hmm. um, you know, things that take not that long to talk about. And, you know, like you said, maybe you're, maybe you spend the first session just talking. Yeah. And that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And And, and giving advice and, and whether that be advice verbal or here's some mm -hmm. literature, here are some studies, here are some pamphlets, whatever you may have, here's Mm -hmm. a video, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever media works best with that patient. But I'm just so happy that you brought up the importance of looking at the overall lifestyle and how that's going to affect, especially people living with chronic vestibular migraines. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I, I mean, these, the people who come to me typically are people who have seen the 85, hundred doctors and they're like, no one can help me send help. I've somehow ended up in this position, which I love. And no one asks them those questions. No one asks them, have you tried grounding? Have you tried being mindful for the day? I am not the queen of mindfulness, but I will send you to the person who is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm kind of using all of these different people and providers who are excellent at what they do and deserve to be used and utilized in that way. And sending those people that way is a really important thing for people with migraine, because what works for patient A is never going to work for patient B. And like, 
vice versa. And so I do think it's a really important and powerful thing, just like you're saying, to arm these people with information. And dizziness is so scary, like so debilitating, so anxiety provoking and so terrifying. And someone tells you every time you go to the doctor, nothing is wrong with you. And it's like, how is how is this happening to me? Right. Like that's usually the question I get. And how did no one ask me before? Mm -hmm. Why have you tried this other lifestyle thing? And some people, they have been told to do all of the things and it still isn't working. We can kind of piece together why that also isn't working. And there's usually something we can change, but I think it's important to think about this from a much bigger picture. And also like if your patient with dizziness is getting worse from the exercises, just like if someone's getting way worse from doing three sets of 10 of something, like Mm -hmm. you're going to ask them to stop. If it's musculoskeletal, you're going to make that change. But for some reason with dizziness, people are like, well, my vestibular therapist just told me it was going to get better if I kept doing it. And it's like, okay, I don't know how this is happening. This Mm -hmm. is like my soapbox, but like, just stop. You need to re- rethink this plan of care and there's nothing wrong with rethinking a plan of care like a lot of pt of course, we do it all the error. time i was just gonna say it's, it's all trial we do and error. Totally. it's all trial and error and i get messages on tiktok and instagram into my email every single day like my vestibular therapist gave me this like what do i do if it's making me worse i'm like have you tried shooting them an email and they're like, no, I haven't tried that yet. And I'm like, the first thing I tell my patients is like, if this is not working, I need yeah. to today. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please, please tell me because it's not offensive to me. I'm only right. like sad if in two weeks I see you again and you haven't done anything because I made you feel worse. Right. That's when I get sad. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, let's rethink this. Of course, like it is not offensive to ask to change something is your health care is your plan of care. You get a lot of autonomy in that. Yeah. And, and I think from our talk today, a big takeaway that I think that I'm getting and that I hope other people are getting uh-huh. is that people with dizziness, especially chronic dizziness, really it's a team sport. You know, they need a mm-hmm. team of people working together to create a comprehensive plan to help them through this dizziness journey that it's not like we as a physical therapist should not be going in with the mindset that we alone are going to quote unquote fix the problem, Mm -mm. you know, but that man, we need to have some, uh, support with other medical professionals, Mm -hmm. mental health professionals, nutritionists, uh, registered dietitians, Mm -hmm. physicians, you know, and and make sure that this person is getting the right support that they need moving forward, especially, like you said, if it's someone who you don't feel would benefit from more traditional vestibular rehab therapy. Yes, definitely. And this comes from someone who owns a VRT clinic. Like right. I love VRT. I live and breathe VRT. <laughs> But I, I kick a lot of people out in the kindest way. I'm like, you got to do this thing first and you can come back and see me in three months. Like there's nothing wrong with getting evaluation. Nothing yeah. wrong with it at all. But come back and see me in three months if this has calmed down a little bit and we can work on, can you bend over and get something from the floor? Can you drive? Can you do mm-hmm. insert thing here? And mm-hmm. the answer to is, am, am I going to leave the house again? Am I going to drive again? Is yes. 
But first we have to get this brain thing under control. And even if you're still having attacks, even if you're like, I still have attacks once a week, I've seen those patients and not kick them out of VRT because they have the tools that say, when I have an attack, I know what to do. I know how to manage it. It's in this like mm-hmm. concealed bubble. Like, yes, it affects my entire life, but like it happens in this span of time. I don't do VRT during this time, but when I get to like feeling better that next day, that's when I pick up kind of where mm-hmm. I left off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And now what, tell the people where people can find you and what kind of maybe programs or therapies and things like mm-hmm. that, that you're doing currently. So if someone's listening, who's like, Hey, I'm having some of these symptoms, what can I do? Absolutely. So if either you're having symptoms or your patients are having these symptoms, you're like, I have run out of options from VOR cancellation, send them my way. I am at the vertigo doctor on Instagram. Um, my email is Madison at the vertigo doctor.com. And I run a program called the vestibular group fit. And it basically came from all of these patients I used to see when I used to work um, in New York. And they come in a bit, I can't exercise. I can't find any information on the internet about what is going on with me. And I just like, can't find any people who are like me. And that really sparked the idea of, okay, this needs to be a community. I need to figure out how these people can exercise. And I need to figure out how to break down this jargony information and get it across like super simply and the ways that it's like, this isn't going to ruin your life. Like you can recover from this. So Mm -hmm. that's how vestibular group fit was born. And it is a program for movement mindset support and um, education for all things vestibular disorder. So we cover neuritis, BPPV, vestibular migraine, Meniere's disease, triple PD, like concussion, you name it, we cover it in there. Um, and it's just a lot of amazing human beings who are sick of not getting the right treatment or they have a PT who they're doing great with, but like need some support and want to work out again, but can't go to the gym because the lighting is so awful. And mm, so it kind of right. covers all of those bases. We're doing yoga, Tai Chi, Pilates, ballet, strength, cardio, return to run, the whole nine yards, um, all safe for vestibular disorders. And some people use it in place of VRT if they have like a very mild neuritis kind of a thing. Um, it's never medical advice, of course, but some people just find that general movement is really, mm-hmm. really helpful and super healing. Um, and then a lot of people use it as an off-ramp from VRT or at the same time with their therapist. And like, I want to do this class, give the YouTube link to their therapist and like, okay, this is how we're going to get there. And then typically they can come to class or you can just start and we have ways to modify every single thing. Perfect. And we will have links to all of that at the podcast at uh, podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So if you didn't get any of that down, don't worry. And just to repeat, it's the vertigodoctor.com. Um, yes. That is the website. Perfect. Okay. Now, last question. And it's one that I ask mm-hmm. everyone, and that's knowing where you are now. What advice would you give to your 20 year old self? My 20 year old self. Yes. Oh goodness. That is a fun question. If I were 20 right now, I would tell myself that you can work for yourself because I feel like that was something that was always like an option, but I was like, that's too scary. I'm never going to do that. And also to do the thing that's fun more than you do the thing that is work. And for me, that is skiing. And I do, we moved to Jackson to ski um, from New York to ski. And 
I try to take off all my afternoons to go do that. So do the thing that is fun, even if work is fun, because I do love my work, but right. do the thing right. that's fun. I love it. That is great advice. Madison, thank you so much. This was great. I was taking a lot of notes. I pulled out my neuro. That's why I'm like, hold on a second. Let me get out my neuro I notes. Got a hint. I, I it's actually right next to me because I edited. It's very my, impressive. It is I didn't right see you find that fast. Yeah. I was like, here it is. Got it. Um, so thank you so much. Um, I love learning Perfect. about vertigo stuff, uh, information as well. I just think it's a fascinating um, part of rehab. So thank you so much. And uh, everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.